Thank you so much. Church, it's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Man, I'm telling you, as a 16-year-old, I never thought I'd say that. I never thought I'd be up uh, in a pulpit, even though I watched my dad do it his whole life. I never thought I'd, I'd get up in front of uh, adults um, and say, isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? You know, um, friends know things about each other, right? Like, you can't be friends if you don't, if you don't know things about people. And I was, um, I was down there, and I was just um, having a moment with the Lord, and um, I had a... I had a moment where I tasted and, and, and saw that the Lord was good. Um, and uh, I wanted to encourage you before I even share something about my life. Ask the Lord to remind you of a time that you've forgotten about that he was good in your life, that he protected you from something, that he gave you something, right? That he blessed your heart, that he blessed your mind, that he blessed your marriage. Just be um, be inspired this morning um, and uh, and just ask yourself today, like, Lord, let me taste and see that you are good, right? Because life can throw haymakers left and right. And sometimes I just need to be reminded that the Lord is good, amen? Hey, um, I am only standing here today, married with three kids because of the power of confession, okay? And I, I did not plan in uh, any way, shape or form to share this, um, but I just wanted to encourage somebody in the room about the power of confession. Um, I was 25 years old. I began to confess a lot. That was, um, that I was harboring in my own life, right? And I actually left ministry and, and went to corporate America. And then I was like, Oh wow, there's money out here. Crazy, right? Cause I'd been in church for so long. I was like, Whoa, this is how people go on vacation, right? Um, <laughs> oh man. But within that, I began to feel, um, an encounter and experience God's healing upon my life. And I just want to encourage you, whether it's the smallest of things or the largest of things, Confess to a brother or sister. You can confess to God all you want. He's not going to heal you. <laughs> Word says confess to a brother and a sister and you will be healed, okay? Psalm says my secrets make me sick, all right? And I did not in any way, shape, or form intend to share that, but somebody in here, just confess. Confess to your spouse. Confess to a friend. Hey, I promise you that life is lighter on the other side of confession, amen? Okay, so I'm here today and we're going to uh, be in Luke 19, okay? So if you have your Bibles, Go to Luke 19. I, I, Pastor Caleb, I don't know if I've ever preached about Zacchaeus. I was talking to you about that earlier, and uh, I'm really excited to preach about um, Zacchaeus. I hope, um, I hope the house is ready to receive um, the depth that is in um, uh, this story. We're going to start in verses 1 um, through 10. But before that, I'm going to kind of give you some, some setup to how Jesus got right here um, uh, with Zacchaeus. So uh, in Luke 18, you see two parables. One included a tax collector. Can we say we love tax collectors? Uh, I'm tired of getting mail from the IRS. I'm just kidding. I don't get mail from the IRS. I'm just kidding. (laughs) You have uh, the famous childlike moment where God said, hey, you have to be like these to get into the kingdom um, of heaven. A really powerful moment, a lot there. You see the rich young ruler, right? Somebody who had obeyed the law since they were a child and missed the Messiah right in front of them. Lord, do not let me be someone that obeyed your law, but misses you when you're right in front of me in Jesus' name. Jesus predicts his death. He pulls his disciples aside and he, he predicts his death and, and they have no idea what he's talking about. I want to encourage somebody that proximity does not solve all your problems. These were people that were with him night and day and had no idea what he was talking about. Some of them knew the Torah like the back of their hand. And then Jesus heals a blind man before he enters Jericho. And what was cool about the tax collector story and the blind man story is they both said the same thing. Have mercy on me, oh God. 
Jesus, son of David, right? The way that they address, you see, even see the rich young ruler who knew the Torah. He, he, he obeyed the law and he said, rabbi, teacher, right? And you see these, these beggars, right? These sinners have mercy on me, oh God. And you see Jesus heal him as he enters Jericho. I always thought it so fascinating how many miracles Jesus did while passing through. Um, and I, I just sit and, and miracles are, are, are not, um, by any means the main reason that Jesus came to earth, but he loves his people so dearly that when they called out to him and he responded, the things that were not in order in their life got in order, right? So it's beautiful to see, but Luke 19 verses one through 10, I'm going to read them all. And then we're going to go verse by verse. Amen. Okay. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. When I was reading this, I was like, I feel like they were talking about me a little bit. Um, I had a dream to play D1 basketball, and then I looked in a mirror when I was 17 and was like, probably going to be a, ta- you know, a tax guy or something or a state farm salesman or something, you know? So if you're a state farm salesman, in Jesus' name. Okay. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. I should have used this text when, uh, when I was trying to go over to my friend's house when I was younger. <laughs> like, hey, Jesus invited himself over. I, I can invite myself over to my friends, right? So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Can we pray as we we dive into this text today, church? Show us your glory, God. Show us your power in your word. God, let us see your beauty, your mercy, God. Have mercy on us, God. God, encounter us today. God, let us see miracles, Father God, as you're passing through, God, as you're sitting with us, as we experience the depth, God, and the understanding and the knowledge of your text, Lord. God, encounter us today. God, let us be forever changed, God. We have not done enough in our life, Father God. There is more that you wanna do in and through us. It doesn't matter our age, God. You still have a plan for us if we have breath in our lungs, God. We love you, we thank you. And everyone said, amen. Okay, if you go back to verse one, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. So Jesus and the disciples were on their way to Jerusalem. Luke 18, 31 says, Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the son of man will be fulfilled. This wasn't long before Jesus's death. So I can't imagine what Jesus was feeling in this moment. Something I have noticed in this scripture is the passing through. I wonder if it is to never shift from the real reason Jesus was on this earth. He loves people so dearly Some saw him as Messiah, but others saw him as prophet or rabbi. Jericho was one of the wealthiest and fertile places. It was an incredibly vibrant place. Lots of trade was happening here. If you go to verse two, it says, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. 
I wish that that was attached to my name, right? Uh, and was wealthy. Uh, it, it says, uh, if you were to meet Zacchaeus today, he would be one of the wealthiest people you knew. Maybe like a Jeff Bezos. Okay, that's, that's a little, that's, that's a lot. He was the chief tax collector. Okay, which means this. I didn't know this uh, until, I, until I really studied this. Which means he had people under him to collect money for him. He was so awesome that he could go to sleep and make money, right? And uh, he was still a cheater. It's crazy, right? Imagine how much greed and power he was obsessed with. If you go to verse three, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. If you were going off of Mediterranean standards, this means Zacchaeus was under five feet tall, okay? So when the Bible says he was short, he was legitimately sure. Verse four, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. But since, uh, since Jesus was coming that way, let's talk practically for a second here. Zacchaeus was crafty. He was a quick thinker and he was ambitious. He was locked into seeing Jesus no matter what. Church, this makes me think, what had he heard about Jesus that made him so inspired to see this man that was just passing through? I wonder when the last time myself, or maybe you said, I'm, I ran ahead because I'm not missing the moment to see Jesus of Nazareth. I wonder what he had heard from the crowds. You had the disciples you had the Pharisees and you had people who had seen Jesus perform miracles. Maybe they had a, a miracle performed on them or had just heard about them. And so they were trying to get in close proximity to get their miracles. So many mixed reviews, church. I had to ask myself this question when, when, I, was, when I was writing this. I wonder who and what is in our crowd. Is it doubt? Is it a lover? Is it pride? Is it worshiper? Is it religion? Is it spectator? Is it insecurity? Is it sin? Is it healed or is it wholeness, right? These will all paint a drastic picture of who Jesus is. But I love that Zacchaeus did not shy away from whatever the crowd spoke over him. Because anywhere a tax collector went, People had an opinion about the way they lived their life, the way they stole money, right? The way they lived in sin, the way they didn't obey the law, right? The way, uh, um, uh, the way that they uh, uh, sided with Rome, uh, right? And, and not their homeland, even if, if, even if they were um, Jewish, right? I wonder what was spoken over Zacchaeus as he ran ahead to this tree. And this is one of my favorite parts of the, of the passage today because things begin to shift in this moment. If you go to verse five, it says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay. Y'all, <laughs> Jesus is kind of funny. He's telling like a four foot three dude to come down immediately. Imagine how long. These were massive trees, by the way. These were massive trees. This was not a little tree that we planted in our yard to win yard of the month in our neighborhood. This was a massive tree so that Zacchaeus could see. Jesus is so funny. He's like, come down immediately, right? I must stay at your house today. Y'all, it, it didn't matter what status you carried. You did not invite yourself over. <laughs> like you did not welcome yourself into other people's homes. Jews would never enter the home of a tax collector and eat. 
well, isn't Jesus king of the Jews? Pharisees wouldn't trust what he offered. Jesus would have considered, uh, or Jews would have considered Jesus a prophet here because he called the name of someone he didn't know, but Jesus knew Zacchaeus. I love the flex here, right? You're like, what do you mean? Jesus flexed on a group of people that didn't know who, who he was. The duality of Jesus, fully God and fully man. Jesus knew that Zacchaeus was up in the tree from the moment he began on the path. He knew that there was a man desperate to see him. And he knew he could mess with the Jews and the Pharisees and get his disciples going again. Who is this man that we have submitted our life to? He says, hey, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. Can you just imagine this moment between the Jews, between the Pharisees, and then Zacchaeus? Don't forget about Zacchaeus in this moment. The Jews were like, you can't do that, can you? <laughs> you can't just invite yourself over. And also, we don't, we don't associate with tax collectors. Then the Pharisees are, I love the Pharisees. I know the Torah. <clears throat> He's a chief sinner. We don't eat with chief sinners. We won't even step foot in that. We would never take anything that he offered. And Zacchaeus, me? Do you know me? Do you know all the things that I've done? And you want to eat at my house? You want to sit at my table that I use with your people's money? You want to eat my food? Me? Do you know me? The wickedness that I sit in, the wickedness that I walk in, that I lead in, that I live in? Me? Yeah, come down. I must stay at your house. I must stay. Not I want to. Not if you will have me. No, it's I must stay at your house today. I just would have loved to see the Jews and the Pharisees looking at this man that could perform miracles, that could turn water into wine, right? That could, that could mess with their theology. And they're like, yo, I, I know, I know the Torah. I, I know the law. Like I have committed my life to knowing this. And it says we don't eat with people like this. We can't associate with people like this. And let me get to verse six. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. This is one of the, this is one of the things I want you to take away today. Jesus was modeling in Zacchaeus what he wanted people to get. A response to grace, not for grace. He wanted, he wanted the Jews and the Pharisees and the disciples around him to understand that when you have a moment, an encounter, an experience with the king of the Jews, Jesus of Nazareth, or Nazareth, you respond to grace, not for grace, right? Because every single thing you need has already been given to you, right? All grace, all forgiveness in that moment in Zacchaeus. The wicked of the wicked understood it while those that were in close proximity to him couldn't, couldn't get it if it hit him upside the head because it did. They were seven feet from it. And Zacchaeus says, I'll I welcome him gladly. Too many people are still tied to this for grace mentality. I do things for grace. I need more grace from God. No, it is freely given. What we need is healing. What we need is his word. What we need is his unconditional love. That means on Thursday when I'm not feeling it, I get up because he first loved me, right? 
I go into my job and I do it with excellence because he first loved me. And freedom, that comes from people walking with Jesus. But many people can't get there because they think they need to do more than just accept his grace by faith. That's why people that are around you won't come to church because like, man, you just don't know me. You just don't, you just don't understand me. They, they're Zacchaeus. You don't understand the things I've done to be here. You don't understand my past. Yes, I do. I was once a Zacchaeus. I was once up in the tree going like, does that man really, is, is that the Messiah? Does he really, me? Like, do you know me? People live in a response for grace, not to grace. And I love this, that Zacchaeus actually fulfilled God's will in the face of people who were blind to the Messiah. Imagine the joy Zacchaeus had coming down the tree. It's one of my, this is um, one, of my, uh, one of my favorite parts because I just remember the, the moment that I came down the tree, right? And um, this was probably the first time in Zacchaeus' life where he moved and insecurity didn't follow him, right? He was so moved by acceptance because in this moment, Jesus accepted Zacchaeus. Jesus accepted Zacchaeus in the face of those that have never accepted tax collectors. Can we be people that accept those people around us that have never been accepted by someone that's in church? Can we accept those that have a past that's so long that Jesus can deal with it right here, right? Can we be the ones that say, I have a seat saved for you. And if we don't, I'll pull one out of some room so that you can have a seat in the house of the Lord. Why? Because Jesus will accept you. Now, that sounds good. He going to deal with you, though. <laughs> but we're going to let Pastor Caleb preach that and teach that in their life, right? Like, no, we accept you in the house, but you ain't staying the same when you leave this house. Why? Because when you have a moment with Jesus, everything changes. Amen. And Zacchaeus shows you that. But I want to ask you a question. I'm a big self-evaluator, <laughs> okay? Can you measure your joy? The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. I have joy because in the midst of all my sin, my deceit, and my wickedness, Jesus accepted me. He's the, product, he's the father in the prodigal son's story saying, son, I, I was always waiting for you to come home. I was always outside waiting for you to come back in. And I'll kill, the, I'll kill the fattened calf for you to have dinner. And we'll restore the intimacy with the kiss in that moment. Right, I'll clothe you and I'll welcome you home. I remember that moment for me. It changed my life forever. And I love this. Because Jesus became the spotted lamb so I could be the spotless lamb, right? And walk with Jesus on this side of heaven while anticipating eternity. I was a Zacchaeus and the savior of the world became the spotted lamb so that I could have restitution with God and be considered worthy and be considered righteous, right? As I walk with Jesus each and every day. And if you go to verse seven, it says, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. I think Jesus made a habit of this. Luke 5, 30 through 32, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Again, if they say tax collectors and sinners, that means that they value tax collectors a little bit above sinners. Like they're the chief sinners They could have just said sinners, but they're like, no, tax collectors and sinners. Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Y'all. I think about Ezekiel 34, 16. 
where it says, I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong, I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. It is in God's character to search for the lost and doctor them up. It is who he is. And you're seeing a mission begin to be fulfilled by Jesus, God's son. If you go back to Luke 18, 10 through 14, it says two men went up to the temple to pray. Once a Pharisee, uh, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, uh, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I will tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Sometimes we have a blueprint, which is humility, and we miss it. It is easy to miss. We think God cares so deeply about sin. He isn't bothered by a defeated consequence, church. He cares so deeply to know his children and his children to know him, his word, his presence. It takes humility to know him though. It takes humility to wake up every day, get on our knees and say, I must decrease, you must increase. I cannot live this life without you. I cannot go another day without more of your power, more of your presence, more of your glory, more of your healing, more of your freedom. Church, it takes humility to know him. It doesn't take pride. We get up and we go forward without him. And he's like, if you just know what I would do in presence with you there with me, just want to do so much with you. I have so much for you, sure. But I want to do so much with you. You are my child who I sent my son down to die for so that you could have communion with me on this side of heaven. Church, don't miss the blueprint of humility. The tax collector received the mercy, not the Pharisee who knew all that he thought he needed to know and he did what he needed to do and he did the minimum and he thinks the minimum is the glory. Man, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So I don't want to miss your presence right now in this moment. I don't want to miss your presence in the morning. I don't want to miss your presence on a Wednesday afternoon when you say, hey, just spend five minutes with me. I just, I just want to commune with you. I just, I just want to show you where, where I want to work on you. I just want to show you my unconditional love for you. If you go to Luke 19, 8, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus's response is in line with Exodus 22, one through four. Whoever steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it must pay back five head of cattle um, for the ox and four sheep for the, um, uh, for the sheep. If a thief is caught breaking in at night and is struck at a fatal blow, the defender is not guilty of bloodshed. But if it happens after sunrise, the defender is guilty of bloodshed. Anyone who steals must certainly make restitution. But if they have nothing, they must be sold to pay for their theft. If the stolen animal is found alive in their possession, whether ox or donkey or sheep, they must pay back double. Y'all, what's beautiful about this passage, and I've never seen it before, is his response goes beyond Pharisaical law. And it is a beautiful way to tell if someone has been with Jesus. If someone has been with Jesus, their response goes beyond the law. 
They're now walking in the gospel. That is Jesus, right? Who has made atonement for our sins. And we can now have the glory of God in and on our life. It goes beyond Pharisaical law. In ancient accounts of discipleship, a sign of radical response with possession showed signs of devotion to a teacher. Jesus is messing with the theology of the Jews and the Pharisees, y'all. There is now the chief sinner that just turned into student of the Messiah. Mm. Mm. Don't let me miss it, Lord. I go back to the rich young ruler here and think about someone who has kept the law since he was a boy. And Jesus said, sell your possessions and follow me. He went away battling because his possessions were great. You don't have to question Zacchaeus's heart in this church. He was changed. You don't have that radical of a response and be the same as you were when you were up in the tree. Zacchaeus was greedy about money, so much so that he stole more than he had to. Why? Because insecurities ruled his life. What was void in him was just filled because of a dinner with the Messiah. Mm. The Zacchaeus that was in the tree was not the same here. And I'll talk a little bit about this more when I get down to the practical application of how we can live this out. I'm just setting this up because this text is so, is so deep and, and so rich of, of what it looks like for someone to have a radical encounter with Jesus. Luke 3, 8 says, prove in LT version. Don't usually preach from it, but sometimes just like the way it's worded. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Woo! He can create lineage from stones. That's crazy. Zacchaeus said, I will prove I have repented and turned to God. How? By exceeding Pharisaical law. By messing with the Jews by making the head spins of the Pharisees and says, I won't just give back what you said in Exodus. I will give back more. Why? Because my heart has been changed in the presence of the almighty God, Jesus, the son of God. If you go to Luke 19, nine, it says, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. Galatians 3.29 says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Woo! Jesus is speaking to his spiritual heritage. Jews believe that they were the heirs to the promise because they were born into it. We have to be born again into the family by salvation. You are not just born into the family of God. You have to accept grace by faith and begin to walk with God so that sanctification can happen in your life. And he messed with his chosen people in that moment. (laughs) Thank you for choosing Zacchaeus to mess with people. Salvation was made available to Zacchaeus, the awful man that the crowds were just talking about. Sonship. Jesus offered the very thing he was. Sonship to Zacchaeus. Mm. Thank you for making me a child of Abraham, God, a seed of Abraham. Thank you, Lord. Luke 19, 10. 
For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Ezekiel 34, 4, 6, and 11 is where we'll go here. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. Verse six, my, verse six, my sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. Let it not be said about us that we didn't search and that we didn't look for lost people to be found in the house of God. Verse 11, for this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. Y'all, you just learned about a mission that God would have. And he completed that mission through Jesus. And Jesus was showing the Jews, the disciples, the Pharisees, and whoever else were around that he's the son of God, that he's the shepherd, that he's the true shepherd, right? That will walk with his people. Mm. Even when they don't deserve it. Luke 15, one through seven, the parable of the lost sheep. Look, the beginning of it. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Let us not be people that mutter about sin. Let's mutter about the glory of God and how transformational his power is when we're in his presence, that we can bow and say, have mercy on me, oh God. I know I'm not perfect, but progress can begin to happen because you are God, not just of salvation, but of sanctification. You want to make my life right on this side of heaven so that I can see you in me. Then Jesus told him this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Y'all, Jesus is the shepherd of the lost and the found. The Jews either couldn't or wouldn't do this. So God said, I will. Why? Because there is a harvest of people that if they just get at the table with my son, then what was once said about them cannot be said about them anymore. When was the last time your response was so radical it changed an entire community with one moment in the presence of God? We don't just live at a, I give 10%. We live at a, my life is submitted to Jesus so my responses can be radical whether people want to judge it or not. Y'all, the way he fulfilled his mission is Jesus and the way he is still fulfilling his mission will always be Jesus, the one that hung on the cross for the atonement of our sins. He's the true shepherd. We cannot shepherd our own life. We will be the worst gods ever. We're too emotional. We're too irrational, right? And we're too fleshly. But the true shepherd says, I'll lead you beside besides still waters. I'll make you, which means we might fight it a little bit, but I'll make you lie down in green pastures. So here's how we can practically live this out in our life. 
Response to grace. Response to grace. How do you do this? You abide, like John says. Jesus was clear. Them the red letters, y'all. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Y'all, response to grace is abiding in the presence of the Almighty each and every day so that the wholeness that he desires in our life comes to pass. He doesn't desire us to limp our way to heaven. He doesn't desire us to be led by flesh each and every day. He desires us to be spirit-led, carrying his dunamis power among our friends, among our family members, in our workplaces, in our schools. Y'all, it takes humility. I don't know about you, but I'm gonna wake up in the morning and be like, God, I humble myself before you. I must decrease and you must increase, must. I can't move forward if you don't increase in my life. I don't want the same amount of your presence today as I had yesterday. And the second thing is the gospel exceeds pharisaical law. It wasn't just his response. It was that Jesus exceeded pharisaical law. Your life should give more than 10%. Tithing and attending church is the minimum you should be doing with your life. The minimum. You should be responding in radical ways when the teacher is teaching you new things about what he wants to do in and through you. There are some people in this room that can respond in a way that can change communities forever because they had a one moment with Jesus. And that person stands up and says, I'm gonna give in a radical way because of my devotion to my new teacher because I'm always going to be a student I'm never going to stop being a student of the son of God. And if my responses are radical, so be it. Because when responses are radical, people get saved. Jesus said it, salvation has come to your house. And the third one, Jesus is the true shepherd. Go to Psalms 23 with me. I just want to read this over us, church. Sometimes we forget that this is who's lording over our life. We get to walk with the true shepherd. We get to talk with the true shepherd. We get to live, commune with the true shepherd. And one day we're going to be in eternity with the true shepherd in complete fulfillment of what our life is supposed to be. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Mm. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Young people in the room, do not be afraid of what God is going to walk you through because he is with you every step of the way. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. When we understand what's waiting for us, our life begins to respond differently. Oh, you mean we're not just made for this earth? We're not just made for the umpteen years that we live on this earth. We're made for eternity and we'll spend it with Jesus. But we don't have to wait. The true shepherd says, I will walk with you now, even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even when your marriage is like this, even when your children are driving you crazy, right? Even when sickness may come upon your house, the Lord is with you. The true shepherd has never departed from you, even if you've departed from him. Never. That's the God you serve. That's the God that sent his son down to die for the atonement of your sins. And sanctification is right here available for you to begin to walk through when you open his word and begin to let it read you. Let it read you. So I'm gonna pray. and Pastor Caleb's gonna come back up here and close this out. But y'all, let's be radical people that respond to the moments with Jesus. Let us never take advantage of the grace and the forgiveness that is offered to us, church. Let us never dismiss a moment where the shepherd wants to lead us beside still or quiet waters and make us lay down in green pastures. God, we humble ourselves before you right now. God, we lay our life at your feet. God, let us be like the tax collector in the back of the temple saying, God, have mercy on me. I wasn't enough until you made me enough, Jesus. You became the bridge so that I could be in right standing with God. And you left your Holy Spirit for me to do life with in this earth. The advocate, the comforter, the helper. God, I lay in your purity right now. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your forgiveness that I don't have to live a life worrying about my sin. I can live my life dedicated to being the best Christian that I can be. One where I know I fall short of the glory of God, but that won't be my testimony. That I walked in communion with you, that I dined with you, that you prepared a table before me, even in the presence of my enemies. Jesus, you are the true shepherd of our life. You fulfilled the mission. You're still fulfilling the mission on this earth. There are still people that are lost around us each and every day. God, if no other church burdens for it, let it be this house, God. For people not just to be saved, but to be sanctified. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your glory, God. Unleash a new power upon this house, God. God, we thank you for the legacy that is on this house. We are standing 
on the shoulders of faithful giants who persevered even when they wanted to give up. God, we thank you for Pastor Caleb who says, I will go even when I don't feel like I have the strength. I will lead even when I feel like I am ill-equipped. I will preach, God. I will teach your word even though I feel the weight and the responsibility of generations. God, we pray for a fresh outpouring of your spirit upon Pastor Caleb and his family, God, in the name of Jesus, God. People do not really understand the weight and the pressure that he feels, God, on his shoulders of the mantle to lead this house into the future and the present, God. God, we pray for people to rise up in this house that will respond radically to the encounters that they're having with Jesus that will change communities forever in the name of Jesus. God, we love you. We thank you. Do a work within us. Restore our souls, God. Lead us besides quiet waters right now, God. Make us lay down in green pastures, God. Remind us that you are the true shepherd. We love you. We thank you. Amen.